Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Caetzi. And we're here with Statman Jason Shoemaker. And um, so we're continuing on with uh, bringing on some guests to to make our members familiar with some of the groups and some of the services that the union provides. Today, we have with us the director of the EAP department, Jeff Cascarelli, to talk about the EAP department. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I, I guess I guess the first question is obvious, right? What is the Employee Assistance Program? All right. So the EAP, as we call it, um, position is designed to provide assistance in addressing issues and or concerns that may be impacting our members with personal and work-related problems. For example, it could be alcohol, other substance abuse, stress, grief, family problems, and or psychological disorders. Regardless of what a client's concerns are, the service is always free and confidential. So, so this, is, this is essentially counseling services? In a way. Um, it's important to note that we, as employee assistance professionals, are not typically medical professionals in terms of having MDs behind our names. Huh. In simple terms, our role is to provide free and confidential assessments, short-term counseling, referrals, and follow-up services for employees. We're essentially case managers who assess the situation before us and appropriately refer our clients out to a professional who is highly skilled at addressing the situations at hand, of course, within our insurance network. So, Jeff, how does that work? Um, so so you're, you're, just, you're having conversations with clients about whatever the issue is, and you typically refer them out to an outside organization. Right. So we meet the client where they're at um, with a lot of compassion and empathy and understanding. We don't judge. And uh, we do a full and careful assessment of each client, and we refer them out appropriately. Okay. Um, Every case is different. Okay. So that I think that's important for people to know because I got to tell you, I've known you for a while, and and I, I refer people on occasion to EAP. And I really thought that it was, it was counseling, right? That counseling was happening within the EAP department. So I think that's an important distinction to make is that, um, you know, for that, for that real, for the counseling services, you guys are, you guys are referring people out. For the most part, we're always willing to have a, uh, lend a, an ear, obviously, to, uh, listen to the client's concerns. Um, so how, how, How did you become qualified to do this? Years ago, um, I got involved in helping veterans out returning back from uh, the military. Um, It just came natural to me. I'm a veteran myself. Um, When I came home, I had assistance trying to navigate the VA system. Um, There's a lot of red tape. It's a daunting process. um, And... I was very appreciative that someone helped me out, um, so I wanted to pass on my knowledge to others, and I just sort of did that for years. I was meeting people in parking lots, um, their houses, all kinds of places, uh, just to give guidance to, to fellow veterans. Yeah, I know that you've helped me um, in the past of, with some of my problems. Of course, you are at the core of most of my problems, so helping me with those problems are, are, is pretty easy for you to do. Um, so, so talk about the history of, of the EAP department. 
So in regards to the history of the EAP department, uh, American businesses and industries had become larger and more depersonalized in the opening decades of the 20th century. Companies responded to alcohol-impaired employees in one of two ways. They were either fired or they were retired on the job. So this caused the implementation of industrial counseling programs. The desire to reach a large number of alcohol-impaired employees led to the formalization of these efforts within companies and spread through a rising alcoholism movement. So this concept really began to take off in the 40s. These programs were frequently rooted in the informal assistance offered to alcoholic employees by other employees who had sobered themselves through involvement in Alcoholic Anonymous, AA. I'd like to mention, you know, regarding the history of our very own EAP department here within the Teamsters Local 1150 in Sikorsky, we could thank Deb Johnson. She was instrumental in leading this effort. She was the original and past department director who essentially created the department and was influential in helping to negotiate it into the existence uh, for our members. Because of Deb and her tireless effort and tenacity, contract language exists today to the benefit of all of us. She continues to provide training, her experience and wisdom for all those who came after. She remains very knowledgeable and well-respected in the field and remains involved, still serving as a valuable consultant. So happy and lucky to still have her. Yeah, she um, she retired several years ago and just can't stay away. She's uh, she's here all the time. She's at the Union Hall all the time. I know she's she's with you and Ryan um, uh, pretty frequently. So Absolutely. Um, she's a kudos. valuable resource. Yeah, absolutely. So much experience and knowledge. Yep, for sure. So most people have uh, general knowledge of AA, NA, Al-Anon, Alateen. Can you uh, dive into what those groups are? Yeah, absolutely. AA is a 12-step program. 12-step programs are mutual aid organizations, if you will, for the purpose of recovery for substance addictions, behavioral addictions, and compulsions. Uh, it was developed in the 1930s. It was the first 12-step program Um AA helped its members to overcome alcoholism. Since that time, dozens of organizations have been derived from AA's approach to addressing problems, you know, such as uh, drug addiction, compulsive gambling, and overeating. Uh, the first development of this type of treatment model began in 1938. It was developed by Bill Wilson through Alcoholic Anonymous. Initial ideas for the program came from Wilson's own experience and his long-term vision. Uh, some of you may have heard of the Big Book. The Big Book was later published. Um, it served as the basis of Alcoholic Anonymous. It contains the 12 steps that are at the core of the Alcoholic Anonymous program, as well as stories about alcoholics who have been through the recovery process. So the Big Book is uh, very popular within uh, the AA community. Um, pretty amazing that it, it's uh, it sounds like it's remained uh, virtually unchanged in in what 70 80 years you're absolutely correct you know today many recovering alcoholics still work with the 12 steps um, along with the sponsor the process includes believing in a power greater than yourself admitting past mistakes making amends to people you have harmed through alcoholism, and continuing to focus on spiritual growth. So do you, how do you go about um, working working with those folks? Do you 
actually refer people to AA or just suggest they start going to AA? What, how does that work? So typically programs such as AA, NA, and the others, um, they normally come after a person has been through detox and has uh, gone through rehab. Um, AA typically follows um, as part of the journey uh, in one's um, path to sobriety. Um, It's important to uh, meet with others who have gone through similar experiences and they rely on each other and um, you know, it's it, after they, it's considered aftercare. Aftercare um, is super important to anyone's sub- uh, success in sobriety. Um, your chances increase dramatically. Some say by seventy percent for long-term recovery um, if you stay in a aftercare program for at least a year after. Excellent. And you, and you talk to people about that? Yes, I do. Yeah, good. The number of AA members has steadily grown and spread across the globe. Today, AA has an estimated 2 million members, if you could believe it. Wow. There are over an estimated 115,000 groups in over 175 countries worldwide, and the numbers are still growing. Wow. I just want to mention, you know, AA is uh, an extremely popular uh, 12-step program, most people know. But there are other options out there. Um, some clients have requested programs that do not require a spiritual element involved. So there's other programs such as smart recovery, um, more, it's rooted in scientific knowledge and therefore evolves as more information becomes available. It also focuses on self-reliance rather than powerlessness, uh, which means there are no sponsors, um, There's also Rational Recovery. It's an abstinence-based addiction recovery program developed as an alternative to uh, spiritual-centered 12-step models. And then, of course, you got NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Um, It follows AA pretty closely. Um, But there's a few others as well. I just, you know, it's not one-size-fits-all. There's plenty of options out there for those seeking aftercare. Can you talk about some of the support groups for family members who live with a uh, a person that has an addiction problem? Absolutely. It, Al-Anon. Um, it, Al-Anon's primary purses, purpose is to help families and friends of alcoholics rather than stopping alcoholism and others or assisting with interventions. So I've also recommended Al-Anon to quite a few um, clients who mm-hmm. aren't um, – struggling with addiction themselves yeah. but they have family members who are so anyone who works in in our shops at Sikorsky Aircraft in in fact any employer uh, the size of Sikorsky Aircraft is going to encounter these problems right there there's going to be alcohol issues there's going to be drug issues um and and we actually have language in our contract to address that. We have a drug and alcohol uh, policy um, within our contract, not just a company policy, but an agreement between the union and the company. Um, it's letter 23. Um, can we talk a little bit about that, Jeff? Absolutely. Both the company and the union recognize the danger of illegal and unauthorized substance and alcohol abuse to our members, customers, and our product. 
Therefore, in our continuing commitment to maintain a substance-free workplace, it's agreed any employee who sells illegal substances on or off company premises shall be discharged. It is also agreed any employee in possession or use of any illegal substances or alcohol on company time or property will incur a five-day suspension. So if you're found to be unfit to safely function at work while being under the influence, you will receive what we call your first unfit. If this is the case, you need to inform your union steward and report to the EAP department within the five days of your suspension. We will do a thorough assessment and create a personalized plan to help and guide our members so they could return to work while in full compliance with EAP's recommendations. Once the client or member and or member has successfully returned to work and are found to be in possession of an illegal substance or alcohol on company time and or premise, premises or declared unfit for duty a second time within 30 months, of the first issuance, he or she will be discharged. So basically, if you receive two unfits within a 30-month time period, you will be discharged. Yeah. And and is there any kind of um, treatment that these folks can seek, even if they get terminated or no? I mean, it, what I'm talking about is treatment through the EAP department. Okay, so... Um, if they receive their first unfit, they have to, in order to come back to work, they have to comply and report to EAP, in which time we will assess them and refer them appropriately. We'll right. put a plan together for them. What if they're fired? So if, they're, if it's their second unfit within the 30 months, they will be terminated, um, in which case they will lose their insurance benefits. Um, if that happens... It becomes, unfortunately, very difficult to put them in a quality uh, facility and or plan um, because, obviously, not having health insurance uh, constraints. So it's it's really important for, for anyone out there who's struggling with this stuff to get themselves the help that they need before this bad stuff happens, right? Absolutely. You know, recognize the issue um, and and seek that help. And the EAP department is where you can start that that process. Hey, Jeff, to that point, can you talk about what somebody should do if, if you know, you're worried about a coworker or a friend? What is the right way to handle that? Sure. So if you're worried about a coworker or a friend, um, you could strongly suggest that they come see the EAP department, remind them that coming to see us um, is confidential. Um, that conversation with that client will only be between them and myself or our other EAP representatives. Um, you know, I'm not allowed to approach anyone. Um, that's the last thing our membership would want, I assume, for the EAP to approach them and say, hey, you look you like you're problem. struggling. Yeah. 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 Come with me. Now, do people come down on their own time or should they make an appointment? Um, I do have an open door policy, um, but it's always best to make an appointment just to make sure that I could um, put away enough time in order to properly uh, assess. And you guys are located over by the medical department, right? Yes, we are. 
were located under the staircase, mezzanine 16. That sounds so seedy, under the staircase. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but, you know, it's a very private location. Um, A client could come in and out without anybody realizing that that they're doing that that they're doing it yeah so make people feel comfortable about this you guys aren't just um members of local 1150 who decided hey i'm going to help people with with their problems and there's education involved in this am i right absolutely and i can promise you that we are largely open non-judgmental and accepting of all of our clients as professor as professionals we meet a client where they're at no matter where they find themselves in a particular situation Confidentiality is always a top priority. The only thing to lose here is your addiction. We are stronger as a union with everyone being happy and healthy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So you you guys have um, recovery groups that, that meet in the plant. Am I right? Yes, we do. Um, the EAP department manages one secure and safe uh, sober group per shift within our workspace. Within the EAP department, we have a conference room area. Um, this is not a replacement for a traditional AA or NA group. It's simply a group of people who could benefit in a peer support setting. The focus of the group is to help maintain a satisfactory level of job performance, including attendance, and provide support to members in their effort to make productive changes within their lives. Uh, But I will say not everyone is eligible to participate right away. Each interested member must complete an interview process. Like I mentioned, the group is not a clinical setting, and it it does not take the place of groups such as AA or NA. We typically like to see someone partaking in their own recovery and sobriety outside of work, as well as with some sobriety time under their belt um, in order for them to become a good fit for the group. The last thing we want to do is send somebody who's still struggling, um, actively struggling um, within, uh, with a substance, uh, entering the room. Um, that could be a trigger for everyone else, and that's not good. Yeah, good point. So it's my understanding that the EAP department uh, is involved in a lot of outreach and involvement in the local community. Can you talk about some of that work that you do? Sure, absolutely. The Teamsters uh, Local 1150, in conjunction with the EAP department, has maintained the tradition of assisting a few of our community's disadvantaged charitable organizations in a variety of ways during the holidays. For example, we manage, collect, and distribute in coordination with uh, an Easter basket drive, Thanksgiving food drives, as well as a Christmas toy drive. So, Jeff, you guys... Your department is is involved in some way with the local 1150 scholarship fund as well. Am I right? Absolutely. On behalf of our membership, our principal officer, Rocco Callo, and the entire executive board, the EAP department participates and manages our annual scholarship fund. You know, this involves applicants from Connecticut, Florida, as well as Alabama. Um, pretty much eligible applicants are the children of our members who are entering their freshman year of college. All applicants must be fully completed and received by us no later than March 31st each year. The committee headed up by me includes five individuals. Three of us uh, are outside. They're consultants with a vast and diverse and non-biased background. Um, 
Typically, 11 candidates are awarded 1500 bucks by the end of April. Then once we figure out who receives the scholarships, checks get mailed out directly to the school of choice. So that's awesome. Um, so listen, a lot of information to, to digest there. Um, you guys are involved in a lot of good work. Uh, most importantly, the work that's that that is your job, right? Um, of of helping people recover from addiction, helping people to deal with really any issue that they might have, any mental health issues, any stress and anxiety issues um, that might be affecting their job, their life. Um, you know, you you provide that that first step to getting a handle on those issues. And, and I, I personally want to thank you for the work that you do. Um, I know that like a lot of union work, um, it's, it's a thankless job very often. And so, so I'll take the opportunity to thank you for, for doing what I think is really difficult work. Right. Um, and, and I, I appreciate it on behalf of local 1150. I appreciate it. And I think our members appreciate it too. Thank you. You know, so my message and plea to every one of our members who find themselves struggling with addiction, please strongly consider stopping. The EAP department will help you. And and if you don't know how to do that, if you're a member out there that doesn't know how to do that, talk to your steward, right? Just, just get in touch with your union steward, um, and, and your steward will help you get to the right place. You know, help you make a phone call, help you send an email, um, show you where the door is, right? So um, please use your stewards out there. Uh, this is this is a, a union helping union people um, and and just seek that help if you need to. So Jeff, thanks for being with us. Um, we really appreciate it. And, and again, appreciate all the work that you do um, for our members and on behalf of our union. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So, um, there are there are some things we need to talk about before we say goodbye on on this particular episode. Um, as everyone knows, the the hot topic of the day of the week is the vaccine mandate. Yeah. The the company has issued the vaccine mandate. Um, uh, rather, I should say, the company has announced that they are going to comply with the president's executive order on vaccines, um, which means. As we know now, everyone at Sikorsky Aircraft must be fully vaccinated by December 8th. Um, let's not get into the whole the whole story. Just want to say that we are working to get Rocco Kalo on the podcast for a special episode in the next day or two to talk about the, the mandate itself, to talk about what steps the union is taking to... Um, to, to change this, to fight this, to, um, you know, to, to make this a little bit more palatable to our members. So stay tuned for that. We're going to, we'll, we'll send you out a message when that uh, podcast is going to drop, but it'll be a special episode. Likely will be an episode with just myself and Rocco. So, so look for that in the next couple of days. Um, and, and we have the business of our, our weekly contest. What's our contest question? What is the most commonly used drug in the United States? Pretty easy. What's the most commonly used drug in the United States? Remember the question. What's the commonly the most commonly used drug in the United States? 
Send us your answers to comms at Teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at Teamsters1150.org. We'll take all the correct answers. We'll put them in a hat. We'll pick out one, and you'll get some cool local 1150 stuff. And remember that email address because you can send us other stuff, too. We want to know what you want to hear on this yes. podcast. Yeah, Please do. send us suggestions, topics for future episodes, and we'll do everything we can to accommodate those, those suggestions. Send us questions questions that you want answered on the podcast and we'll answer those questions on the podcast um so remember comms at teamsters1150.org send it all there um that's how you get a hold of us and um with that said that is it for this episode of the 10 to 12 podcast thanks for listening thanks for downloading remember to follow us go to podbean and follow the 10 to 12 podcast um and um Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Stephen French. I'm Benny Kaitsi. And Jason Shoemaker is the stat man. He's the stat man. See you next time. Hey.